This is Welcome Home Radio from the Fresno Association of Realtors on 940 KYNO. Well, good morning and welcome to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host on our Valley's most informative real estate talk show. And this hour is being brought to you by the Fresno Association of Realtors. And we have a goal, and that goal is to give you some good information, some real facts and the real stats about our local market. Maybe different than what's in uh, New Jersey or Florida, but right here in the Central Valley, we're bringing you some real stats. And to help me with that today, we have Mr. Statistician, Steve Flash. He will be the 2022 president of the Fresno Association of Realtors. And you know my advice to you, Steve. What's that, Don? Don't mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do my best to make sure that I don't. Um, but yeah, it's pleasure being here this morning. All right. Yeah. And um, Steve is very involved in local real estate. In fact, you manage a guarantee office, one of the branches. Which one? Correct. It's the Fig Garden Office of Guarantee Real Estate. Excellent. And you have how many agents that work under you? There's approximately 100 agents that are in our office that uh, uh, myself and another manager supervise. So they bring issues to you on, on transactions. So my point is you get to see a lot of real estate. Yes, definitely. And the, that's one of the things that I love about it is with that many uh, agents, there's so much going on and every day I'm learning something new. So um, it's it's a, a great job. I, I enjoy being in the mix and, and uh, you know, helping other people fulfill their goals and reach their goals, but also just uh, learning and developing my own, you know, knowledge as we're going through the process. Yeah. And the thing about being a real estate manager is that you've got to help out your agents all the way from Steve, what do I do? The appraisal came in low. Yep. Or Steve, the home inspector found this or that to Steve, I haven't had a client in in a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there is a, a broad range. Uh, you know, there's some deal doctoring, there's some mentoring, there's, um, you know, coaching that's involved in it. And, um, you know, everybody is completely unique. Everybody's situation is completely unique. Um, one of the things I love about the job, I mean, every transaction is completely unique as well. You have two different parties in every transaction. You have two different agents in all the, all the transactions. So uh, no two things play out the same way. So it's, uh, you know, a lot of variety. You got to be able to uh, think quick, pivot, um, figure out how to serve everybody's needs, come to that win-win that agreement. And they're all independent contractors. And the industry kind of attracts that independent thinker. Um, and so I took a class one time. It was called the Art of Real Estate Management, also known as herding cats. <laughs> How do you herd the cats? <laughs> yeah, um, you know, it's it's true. There There is a lot of autonomy, and I think that's one of the things that attracts people into the industry is um, you do get to be your own business, you know, your own business owner. And um, there's definitely a sense of pride in that and, and being able to, uh, to, to build your business, build your brand. And um, yeah, there's a lot of independent people that are, are driven towards that. So mm -hmm. it's it's challenging sometimes, but at the same time, I think our, uh, I'm pretty special with the office that we have the the agents that we have in that office are pretty incredible so uh, there's definitely a sense of camaraderie and, and community there yeah and, and I'll back that up I've had the opportunity lately to work with several of them in your office and um, they, it, it's been a pleasure I've heard about several of those transactions one of our agents even spoke positively of you Don one of them oh my <laughs> gosh <laughs> 
All right. I even know wh- which transaction that was. <laughs> yep, yep. All right. I'm going to throw some stats at you. Okay. And I would like to get your commentary. And, of course, as next year's president, you're already serving this year um, on the executive committee of the association, so you're very involved in this stuff. Uh, and then even the year before, you were um, a director. So you, you've been on the board of directors. You've been the multiple listing service chairperson. So I hate to say this, but a young youth like you, <laughs> you you've got some experience. Yeah, uh, well, I appreciate being called young. Uh, you know, I got a lot of gray in the beard that would say otherwise. But yeah, um, I've been really involved in the association, I think, for about 10 years. And uh, it was, I, I made a... Uh, a move where I started up uh, my own brokerage about 10 years ago. And as an independent broker, um, I needed to stay up to date with everything that was going on, changes in laws, changes in our industry, and being involved in the association was the best way for me to do that. So I I really threw myself in about 10 years ago and have uh, uh, appreciated being involved ever since. That's a great tip for some of the 4,000 realtors out there. Not everybody gets to work in a large office where... um, information is disseminated so easily so the other place to get that resource is the association of realtors and i know a lot of small brokerages let's say 10 people or less where they heavily heavily rely on the association and the the information there I would completely agree. It was the one thing that, uh, you know, able, was able to keep me uh, abreast of what was going on and current with all the matters when I, when I was independent. So uh, now with being part of Guarantee, I have a lot more resources, but still the, the benefits of the association are, are, are pretty outstanding. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw a st- uh, some stats at you. What I did is I ran Fresno County. Yep. And, and even when I run all the counties, I'll do Fresno, Madera, um, Kings, Tulare, uh, all the Central Valley ones, it's very consistent. So, or at least the trend, you know, the actual number might be off by $5,000, but that trend is certainly there. So Fresno County for the first three months, or excuse, yeah, the first three months of 2019, 2020, and 2021. And then I'd like to get your forecast that one year from today, where where is 2022 going to be? All right, all right. So let me start off with the average, excuse me, the median sales price. Because mm-hmm. um, that people want to know, what, what's my home worth? Or, you know, what, what should I expect? Well, in 2019, it was $275,000 for the first three quarters. Yep. That grew by $25,000. Uh, to 300 in the year 2020. Now, the year 2020 was an odd year. <laughs> it was. Yeah. I, I think those nine months seemed to have lasted four years. <laughs> it was the slowest moving year. But prices did grow by $25,000. Um, that's what, maybe 8%. Well, this year in 2021, it grew to 355000 it's a big jump. Yeah. So I think that's about a 15 or 16% rise in, in prices. Yeah. Um, sustainable, though, because interest rates have lowered. So the cost of buying a home has actually gone down. And that might be the reason why we have the rise in price. 
more people can buy. So first of all, give me your take on those three years and then give me your forecast for 2022. Yeah, well, I... I think the market locally has been driven by a lack of inventory um, going back to 2015 or so. Uh, I think that's really been the driving force. And we saw that um, in 2019 um, and 2020 as well. Uh, 2020, like you said, was very unique. Um, My business, my personal business was set to blow up in the the spring of 2020. And then shelter in place came into place and everything just came to a screeching halt. There was two weeks where we didn't know if we could operate, if we could go outside of the house. Um, So there was a a really unusual market. Uh, But what happened was after shelter in place came out, everybody, you know, the the shackles came off and, and the market just went insane. I think people being forced into their homes uh, made them reevaluate their their actual needs and what their home is to them. Um, so home became everybody's workplace, school place, and everything you know, uh, classroom, um, and and the house was everything. So I think a lot of people really looked at that as an opportunity to uh, invest in their homes. So with that increase of people that were looking to improve their homes, maybe get a larger lot, a bigger home, a little bit more space, uh, and then the small amount of inventory that we had, prices just really shot up. So um, you we've seen that carry through the first three quarters of this year. Um, the growth is almost 20%, I think 15 to 17% in, in increase in the median sales price. Um, I personally feel that the growth is going to continue, but I don't think it's going to continue at the rate that we've seen. Um, I think that there's been a flurry of activity and a lot of the, the people that have been looking to buy and sell have done so. And we're still going to see uh, a lot of opportunities, but it's not going to be the furious competition that we've seen over the past, uh, let's say, you know, 10 to 15 months. Mm-hmm. So what number, and by the way, this is podcasted, recorded, so one year from now we can go back and see, was Steve Flash right or wrong? You know, the irony of this is uh, there's a lender that I always try and drill on when interest rates are actually going to rise. So uh, I always try and get them to commit to something. And now I'm on the other end of it where I've got to commit to the number. So um, I think that realistically, we're going to see a growth rate uh, here in the Valley somewhere between eight to nine percent is is what I would anticipate for the first three quarters of 2022. Eight to nine percent. Well, okay, that would be uh, very palatable. Uh, because that's a healthy rise, but it's not absurd. Exactly. Uh, the the increases that we were seeing of you know twenty percent appreciation or fifteen to seventeen percent appreciation in a short period of time, it, it's 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 not really sustainable. Specifically, uh, the impact of affordability. You know, fewer and fewer Californians, and specifically here in the Valley, um, are able to actually purchase that median sales price home. So one of the uh, negative effects that we've seen of this is fewer people are actually able to participate in the American dream of home ownership as prices have increased as drastically as they have. Mm-hmm. Now I'm gonna throw out the number of sold, sold homes mm-hmm. for those three years. And well, I'm not going to preface it. I'll just give you the numbers and I'll let you preface it. Okay. Um, all right. So in 2019, the number of, number of homes that sold was 6,671. In 2020, that dropped to 6,342. Not that significant of a, of a drop. Then this year, so far, it's at 6,918. What's your take on that? 
Well, I think the the dip last year is because of the fact that there was that uh, momentary shutdown in the the market. Um, if you look at that uh, March to April, there was a, a, a blip in the market that that really had an impact. Um, I had multiple multiple listings that or multiple people that were looking to sell that decided not to sell because of fears with COVID and just the unknown. So I think that that reduction last year was uh, due to COVID in the market that we saw there. Um, I think that we're going to continue to see an increase in sales. Um, we're, we're seeing uh, the demand is still there. And again, we're still looking at a lack of inventory. So with that lack of supply and that increased demand, we're going to continue to see, um, see transactions booming. So um, I, I see us probably you know, 7,000 plus or right around that 7,000 range in, in total sales. Okay, just so I can hold you to it, can you give me an exact number? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm joking. You, you mentioned lack of inventory. 735 active listings as of this morning in Fresno County. Um, and I remember the time when there was 4,000, and this was about eh, 10 years ago. Um, 735 is towards the low end of that. I mean, I'm sure there's been months where or times where we, we've been at, 650 but that's close the the amazing part is that almost twice as uh, many as that 735 are homes that are in escrow so it shows a lot of activity with that we are going to our first commercial break but stay tuned to welcome home radio on 940 if i could just come in i swear i'll leave won't take nothing but a memory from the house that built me. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And our guest today is Steve Flash from Guarantee Real Estate, manager there at the Fig Garden Branch, and also the president-elect of the Fresno Association of Realtors. And that music that we just played, The Home That Built Me, we really played that a lot back in, well, when the f show first started during the foreclosure crisis, so to yeah. speak. Um, because we wanted to remind everybody why you bought the home. You bought the home for your family to live in, to raise them. And uh, maybe the value had gone down from 300000 to 200000 or or whatever but it was still home. So we hear stuff on the news about a bubble. We're, are we in a housing bubble? Uh, are we heading for a crash? Uh, what's going to happen when the foreclosure moratorium is over? Um, Mr. Flash, Tell us your thoughts. Yeah, thanks, Don. I don't, I don't think that we're, we're looking at a bubble right now. Um, there's several reasons as to why. Uh, first, if you go back to 2008, the, the, the big part of the recession was based on overvalued real estate portfolios, mortgage-backed securities, and things to that effect that led to uh, an economic meltdown globally. Um, what we're seeing now is uh, due to a pandemic. Um, it's not, uh, the economy was not faltering. So we're not anticipating the economy to stall the way it did last year. Um, or I'm sorry, back in 2008. So the economic conditions are completely different now than what we saw, um, you know, 13, 14 years ago when the when the market shut down. So that's one of the things that leads into it. 
You just made me think of something good. I'm going to have to thank you for this one. All right. It's a brilliant thought. <laughs> when you said it was caused by the mortgage-backed securities, the portfo- overvalued portfolios, I think that was more of a financial crisis than a housing crisis, although houses were the, the collateral for it. Yes. The value, here's the good point, the value of that home meant the same to a family who's living in it and using it. So it didn't go down 30% or 40%. It, uh, it, the value was there. Now, to the uh, holder of that portfolio, that big corporation, yeah, the, the values dropped. So let's not forget what that home is all about. Exactly. It, it was, um, you know, I, I was going through the, you know, I was living in my first place. I bought my first place in 2005. I saw values increase by, uh, you know, almost uh, 30% in the, the first couple of years that we were, I was in the place and then everything hit and it went down to about 50% of what I, I bought it for. Um, I still have it as a rental property. Actually, I was over there yesterday, uh, you know, cleaning it out for the, some new tenants that are going to, I'm hoping to put in there. Um, so, yeah, it, I didn't lose any of the value because uh, I guess what I, my point is I didn't lose any value because I never sold that property. So I didn't take a loss. I didn't take a hit. And with the appreciation that we've seen over the past several years, I'm back in a p- position where it's, um, you know, the value has increased over what it was that I paid for, positive equity position and everything else. So um, even though uh, there's a lot more to the house than just the financial aspect of it, um, yeah, e- even though on the long term, it's, it has come back. So earlier in the week, I saw a newscast, and my second favorite loan officer was was on there, and he described the difference between now and back in 2008. He said the biggest difference is people are having to qualify now, and there, there's you have to prove and document that you have the ability to repay that loan. In prior to 2008, it wasn't that way. Um, they were packing those mortgage-backed securities, those portfolios, with any loan they could get or any loan they could sell, and income and ability to repay was not a part of it. So that's another huge difference. Exactly. Uh, the Dodd-Frank Act, which came out of the, the crisis, completely changed the underwriting guidelines. Um, so that ability to repay is, is one of the most significant factors that has come into place. Um, and, you know, when I bought back in 2005, I, I went in and I spoke with the loan officer. They pulled my credit and said, I can get you a loan for whatever you want. I didn't provide any sort of income or documentation. There was nothing else, just merely based on my credit score. I was able to get a loan for as, as large as I could. The only thing that saved me was I got a fixed rate loan as opposed to going with a, a, an arm loan. Um, but based only on my credit score, I was able to qualify for, you know, she said, whatever I, I, I wanted to purchase. Nowadays, the underwriters are going through everybody with a fine-tooth comb. They're documenting deposits, where is the money coming from? Um, and the people that are purchasing homes now are truly qualified to be purchasing homes. Um, um, you know, I, I don't know that I was really qualified when I bought back in 2005, but um, the people that are buying now are much stronger qualified than they were back in, in, in 2000, you know, leading into the crisis of 08. Just out of curiosity, are we talking about the same loan officer earlier in the show? You mentioned uh, you were talking with the loan officer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always try and st- nail him to the wall. Yeah. So he's going to ask you, well, Don said I was his second favorite. Who's his favorite? And let I, him know that I said, everybody else tied for first. 
<laughs> I was going to go with uh, a lone officer that I really like, and that's Didi Scordino. But um, everybody else trying for first is a much better answer. I'll be sure to pass that along to him. <laughs> All right. Uh, he'll take it in good humor, I hope. Yeah, he will. <laughs> All right. So we see this as different than the other yeah. uh, time period where we had a rise in appreciation. So why is our current market a good opportunity for buyers? Um, interest rates are the big factor uh, as to why it's such a great market right now. Um, I'm, I'm not a lender and I cannot quote rates, so I want to go ahead and clarify that. But if you've got good credit scores, you're in the low threes. Um, I was talking to a uh, uh, Buyer that's got, uh, or a buyer that is in contract right now, he's with uh, FHA with a down payment assistance program. His uh, interest rate is two point three seven five. I mean, that's it's it's practically free money. So the the fact that interest rates are so low, it increases the buying power of of people that are looking to purchase properties right now. And I think the frenzy that we saw in leading uh, earlier this year, spring and fall of 2021, has subsided a little bit, and there's a little bit less competition right now. So there's more opportunities for buyers uh, now than there was several months ago. We're seeing a slight increase in the inventory uh, coming onto the market, so there's more homes to choose from. Uh, we, As you mentioned, uh, the pending homes are, are nearly double what the active listings are right now. So there's the market's still moving, but uh, there, are, there is a lot more opportunity. There's more inventory for buyers to choose from, and then interest rates now are phenomenal. Yeah, the, the, and they're fixed interest rates. You go back 15 years ago, the predominant loan was the adjustable rate mortgage with a teaser loan. So here's what I mean by a teaser. Um, they, they would say, we'll give you a uh, 2% interest rate for the first five years. Um, excuse me, they would, a 2% payment and the the missing word was interest rate because after six months that the payment stayed the same but the interest rate adjusted so and and that gave a thing called negative amortization so maybe the interest rate was now at five but your payments stand based on a two percent which means that three percent in interest that you're not paying gets tacked on top of the loan and if it makes no sense to you, there's my point. Yeah, there was there was a loan program I remember hearing about that there were four different payment options, and and first one was uh, you're paying a fully amortized 30-year loan. This is your payment. The second one was interest only. Uh, there was another option, but the the fourth option was a negative amortized loan. So you're actually paying less than the amount of interest that you're being charged on a monthly basis. So your your principal is just increasing every month. You're making a payment on your property, and uh, I. I would hate to be in that position with an asset, but um, yeah, those negative amortized loans were, were horrible. And the fact that everything now is a fixed rate loan is a huge benefit. So what, to answer the question I asked you for myself, because I, I always want to throw this in here, but why is our current market a good opportunity for buyers? Because if you get a 30 year fixed rate loan today in the twos or the threes, you know what your housing cost is going to be in the year 2035, 2045. Um, if you're renting, you don't know that. Nope. And if you get to 2055, you don't have any payments any longer. So there's an yeah. even, even larger benefit. Whereas rents over the, in, in locally, rents over the, since COVID started are up nearly 37, 40%. So um, that type of increase in rental payments is, is just a, a 
can be a waste of money when you could be going ahead and putting that towards your, your own equity and building your own equity in a home. Okay, and when we get back from, uh, from the next commercial break, we're going to talk about some of the benefits and, and opportunities of buying versus renting. So stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back to Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host, along with Steve Flash, the incoming 2022 president of the Fresno Association of Realtors. And that's going to keep you busy, Steve. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of that exposure right now and, and a taste of it. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. The, the association's given me a lot. I've, I've seen a lot of personal growth, professional growth, just through my involvement with the association. So um, I'm happy to give back and, and hopefully uh, return the favor. So you've had a lot of personal growth due to the association. So how tall were you, let's say, 10 years ago? Because you're pretty darn tall now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I haven't grown height-wise. If over the past 10 years, anything, it's been in, in more of the girth of the circumference of my belly. But uh, yeah, that's, that's the only uh, physical growth that I've seen. All right. Boy, you sure know how to paint a picture. <laughs> um, let's talk about the advantages and or disadvantages of buying versus renting. Yeah, well, you know, you, you briefly mentioned, mentioned one earlier, we talked about it, is um, the, the fixed rate loan, the fixed payment uh, when you purchase a home. That payment is consistent over the next 30 years. There's gonna be small increases due to, uh, you know, increases in uh, cost of homeowner insurance or, or the assessment, property assessment or something to that effect. But the amount that you're paying for your principal and interest is, is the same. That's not gonna change over the 30 year period. Whereas rates are, are in, I'm sorry, rents are always increasing. Uh, I mentioned I saw a st statistic that was uh, rents in Fresno since the time of the start of the pandemic are up on nearly 40%. So that's a huge increase. I mean, if you look at, you know, my, I've been in my house for uh, four and a half years now. My payment's been the same for the past four and a half years. If I were to look at a 40% increase in my payment over just the past 20 months, I mean, that's a, a, a huge hit. So owning a home is a hedge against inflation. It is. Yeah because you're fixing your housing costs. So who knows, maybe gasoline goes to nine bucks a gallon. Uh, may, maybe the cost of a loaf of bread goes to nine bucks because of inflation. You still get the same commodity, but you just had to pay more for it, but not with housing if you purchase it. Exactly. And I'll go on to say the best form of rent control is the 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. It is. It is. You you do not have to worry about any sort of increases. Like you said, you know exactly what your payment's going to be in 2035, 2045. If you buy the home now, by the time you get to 2055, there's no payment left yeah. on it. And, of course, a little disclaimer, that is the principal and interest. Yes, the, if you have your taxes and insurance included in the payment, then those figures may change, but slightly. Yeah. yeah. You know, maybe your insurance went from 900 a month to 11, or not a month, yeah. 900 a year to 1100 a year. Exactly. All right. Divide that out by 12 and your payment went up $10, $15. Yeah. It's, it's not a significant increase there. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what are some of the other, or, or no, here's a good question for you. What's the advantage of renting? 
versus buying. Yeah, honestly, one of the big benefits of renting versus buying is you're not responsible for property maintenance at that point. You know, you, you've got the general upkeep of the property, cleaning and things to that effect. But if uh, the air conditioner goes out, I had to replace the AC unit on my condo uh, last summer. Uh, fortunately, my tenants were, were, were patient with me when, when we got it done, but I bore the cost of that. So um, anytime there's there's an issue with the, the property, if you know the plumbing goes out, AC unit breaks, as a tenant, it's not your financial responsibility responsibility to go ahead and fix that. So I think that's one of the big benefits uh, to to renting is not having to bear that responsibility. And mobility is is another one. Uh, If you're in a job or a personal situation where there's a good chance you'll be moving in the short term, short term being one year, maybe two or three years, then renting might be a better, better thing. Although save your money. Uh, How many people out there go out and they and they they live on 103 percent of their income yeah well and and there's there's not even a guarantee that you're going to pay less for housing if you're renting than you are if you purchase the home and and that's one of the things that i've seen there's a, a one complex that i was reading an article about a few months ago they were charging 2400 dollars a month for a two-bedroom uh unit and 3600 for a three-bedroom so for 3600 bucks a, a month i mean that pays my mortgage that pays the mortgage on my condo the hoa dues on my condo and i've still got gas money after that so um just because you're renting doesn't necessarily mean that you're saving money mm-hmm just the other day I had a family member call me and kind of in a bit of a panic because the apartment that she's been renting for over 10 years uh, the rent has gone up now she said it's funny the first seven or eight years it barely ever went up and all of a sudden now that and she said this herself she goes now that there's the rent control law now it's going up every year and they they raised it eight percent this year so and she talked to the manager who said i'm sorry but now with the new laws if we got to take what they give us because if we don't take it we lose it exactly you don't the free market doesn't dictate anymore so um it it puts renters in a position or landlords in a position to where if they don't take advantage of that small increment every year then they're gonna they're gonna be outpaced and and not their asset's not going to be performing as well as it could be. Now, on the flip side of that, and I believe I got this concept from you, a lot of landlords aren't, are, most landlords are small mom and pop uh, investors. It's not, you know, the big apartment owners for, for a lot of people. So uh, a lot of those landlords are a lot more lenient with uh, the rents. Um, you know, my last tenants were there for, I believe, seven years. I didn't raise the rent on them at all. They were great to work with. Um, I, they were consistent with, with uh, delivering their rent on time. There was a, a back and forth respect, uh, and because of that, their their rents didn't increase at all for the seven years that they were there, just because I didn't feel it was appropriate to do so. Uh, now that they have gone, I get the opportunity to increase it, but I think the institutional investors are in a position to where they're looking at it just as dollars and cents. This is an investment, and if they don't take that five to eight percent increase every year, then over the course of you know five to ten years, they're they're definitely behind the market and losing money. Right. And, and I remember how I used to justify not raising rents. It's like, all right, what am I going to do with that extra $35 a month? Does, is it really going to mean a lot to me? Where, and I know that these are really nice people. They're respectful, the, the ones who are renting. And I just don't want to do that to them. But now, because of the rent control law, there's a new line of thought. And that is, if I don't take it now, I'm going to lose it. Yep. So... 
That's too bad. Um, what are some of the other advantages to buying versus renting? Um, the pride of ownership uh, is is something. I remember when I got my first place, I walked into it. Uh, my my wife was uh, my girlfriend at the time, and I was not in real estate at that point, and she was. So we've we've made a couple different changes. We're obviously now married, but uh, I'm the one in real estate, and she's not. But I, she was the one that gave me the keys when we first walked in. And I remember standing in there and, and just kind of looking around. And Wait my, a minute. You met her that way? No, we met outside of uh, – we met before she got into real estate. All right, all right. Yeah. But um, I remember standing in the living room looking around and thinking to myself, I could paint this whole thing pink if I wanted to, and nobody could say anything about it. And there was just that sense of pride and, and uh, accomplishment that I felt being there. Uh, but it's since then, you know, as uh, personally as I've had kids, the, the homes become so much more significant. And like, like we said last year with shelter in place, home became everything. It was your office. It was your classroom. It was your playground. I mean, your, your home was everything. So um, having that place, no, feeling that sense of security that comes from there. You know, they say uh, uh, someone's home is their castle. And I, I truly felt that way during, during COVID and shelter in place. So get territorial, too. I remember driving through your neighborhood one day and your wife saw me and she called you right up and said, get him out of here. Don Scordino's in the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, uh, she she's, uh, you know, wants to make sure that the neighborhood stays classy. And, you know, when anytime <laughs> there's somebody that's questionable that comes through, she gets a little bit mama bearish. <laughs> All right. Um, I, to be honest, I was impressed. She recognized me as I mean, I was doing 75 miles an hour down your residential street. Yeah, yeah. No, we, you're the reason why we have the, the signs out there and everything. You know, make sure the kids don't get run over. <laughs> All right. I wasn't doing that, by the way. <laughs> I, I guess I should not make jokes like that on the air. Yeah, let's not advocate that, Don. Right. Um, and I have seen that over and over and over again, that pride of ownership. I remember giving keys to a first-time homebuyer one time. And this was an emotional one. Um, the woman didn't just cry. She cried yeah. big time. And her husband said, what you have to understand is we're overwhelmed with this accomplishment because five years ago we were living in a car. Oh, man, that, that just got to me. Yeah. And what got to me is not feeling bad for living in the car what got to me was their accomplishment yeah working with first-time homebuyers is probably the most re rewarding part of our jobs um to to be able to help somebody achieve that dream to get into their first home um to see that sense you know their their sense of pride in in getting there uh it's it's fantastic i love working with first-time homebuyers for that reason um yeah it's it's very rewarding yeah um I know a family, large family, they got, I think it's six brothers and sisters, but the big hangout, the, the big part or what their main place that they love in life is their brother Gilbert's house because they go there for the football games, the barbecues. Um, and they're so happy that he bought that place and kind of gave the whole extended family a place to call home. Yeah, it's and that's what it's become. It's the it's you know the the center of everything social, your interactions, um, 
yeah, the specifically with again during shelter in place, there's I've got a pad in my backyard that I had my my barbecue set up. I got a pizza oven as well, and I was able to sit there and watch the kids in the pool, um, cook dinner, and it was just my own little uh, oasis during shelter in place. And to have that was 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 great. If I was stuck in a, a an apartment, I don't know that I would have had that that release and the ability to get out and you know enjoy some of the the, the fresh air that we had last year. And you know, you made me just think of one here. Um, I there was a person. Well, it was my son, who I used to use as an example of why not everybody is should buy, because he was still footloose and fancy free. You know, one year he's working in Florida, next year he's working in Hawaii, and and and, and not really settling down. So I thought that was a good example of somebody that needs to rent, not buy. Well, this year he did buy in Florida, far away from me as he could get. <laughs> but I'm amazed at the projects that he's taken on. He's already remodeled both bathrooms. Wow. Uh, he's now moving on to the kitchen. And, you know, this is in a five-month period, six-month period of time. And he's look, he's got that pride of home ownership. He's looking to improve his place. Yeah, and and I think the what one of the things that I take from that is it's not that your son was never the right person to purchase a home. It's just he wasn't at the right position in his life to do so. And now that he is, he sees that as an accomplishment, and uh, I, or I can imagine he would see that as a significant accomplishment. I think Steve, you just bailed me out of trouble. <laughs> you're right. It, it it's not that you're not the right person. It's it's not the right time. And hey, I remember. When I was 20, 21 years old, that was not the right time for, for me to buy. I, I ended up buying when I was 24, and it di- it made me sink roots. Yep, it does. It, it, it does give you a little bit more sense of responsibility, or at least I felt that way. Um, of course, yeah, when I bought, uh, so the condo was the first place, but when I bought my first home, that was consistent with the same time, the, uh, right around the same time that I got married. And then my daughter was born, you know, within a year of us getting married. So those roots came with, with the home that we bought, with the marriage, and then with the kids as well. So I had a lot of things that impacted that, that small period of time. But yeah, it definitely came with the, the roots. All right. Let's go to our last commercial break and stay tuned to Welcome Home Radio, 940 KYNO. Well, welcome back. Welcome Home Radio. This is Don Scordino, your host. And speaking of putting someone in, Coach, uh, we're here with Steve Flash, who's going to be next year's president of the Fresno Association of Realtors and the spokesman, the representative for over 4,000 members. So... Did that scare you? Yeah, it's it's definitely a big responsibility. But, um, you know, there's been a great history of leadership within our association. Um, you know, you were president last year. We've got Annie Foreman, who's a current president. There's been uh, just a, a long line of incredible leaders that are there. Um, so there's been a, a precedent and the path has been laid out in front of me. I think I just got to make sure that I, I stick to it and don't don't stray too far from it and try and uphold the, the reputation that everybody else has set. And remember my advice. Don't mess it up. i'll do my best we got a good thing rolling so don't mess it up yep and you won't i have a lot of faith in steve um so anyway we've been talking about the the advantages of buying versus renting 
And I see you've got a very colorful graph over there. So why don't you paint that picture for our listeners? Yeah. So we, we've talked about, uh, you know, some of the anecdotal things as to, to buying versus renting. And one of the big things that is significant to me, one of the reasons why I love real estate is the fact that we're able to change, you know, the trajectory of people's lives. Um, home ownership is the greatest path to wealth that we see in our country. And um, it's it's really uh, represented in this. And this is from uh, Dr. Lawrence Yoon. He's the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. But that He's the one that provided the information. But uh, 2019, uh, per 2019, the average wealth of a renter was $6,300. Um, the average wealth of a homeowner was over 40 times that amount. The average wealth was at $255,000 for a homeowner. So you you look at just that incredible difference between um, renting versus buying and and the wealth that comes with it, the the value, the equity that you have in that home, and you know some of the freedoms that that brings with you. Uh, so the the ability to um, gain wealth through home ownership, I think, is one of the, the biggest things that we do. All right. Yeah. And, you know, looking, let, let's say uh, somebody buys and they look back 10 years, 15 years from now, they're going to be really glad they did it. Yeah, our locally, we've been, our market's been appreciating for the past 10 years. You know, we look at 2011 was the statistically right around the bottom of the market. So we've seen 10 years of appreciation, and that's been capped off by, you know, record-breaking appreciation over the past, you know, 10 to 15 months. So, um, yeah, most of our homeowners right now are in a strong equity position. There's, uh, in fact, throughout the, the nation, 98.9% of homeowners are in a position of equity. So you're looking at only 1% of homeowners that are, are not. Um, so it's a very, very small fraction there. So we hear about the foreclosure moratorium ending, forbearance, uh, modifications. Give us a scoop on all of that stuff. Yeah, so the the first off, the number of delinquencies that we're seeing right now are less than half of what we saw during the 2007, 2008, or right around half, I'm sorry. Um, 2007 and eight, you had delinquency rates of around 12%. Right now we're seeing those delinquency rates at right around six and a half percent. So it's not quite half, slightly over half, but you have much fewer people are in a position where they're delinquent. Um, the forbearance is another thing that you brought up, and over 83% of people that went into forbearance have already um, figured out what it is that they're doing with the loan. Um, they've either added it onto the back of the loan, paid it back in a lump sum, um, possibly some of them have sold the house and just paid off the balance, um, but you only have 17% of those people that went into forbearance that are delinquent without any sort of plan to repayment. So, and what does forbearance mean? Okay, so when uh, the mortgage cri- or when COVID came and shelter-in-place hit, uh, there was a lot of um, benefits that were put out for, for renters that were putting renters in, in a p- position where if they had the job loss due to COVID, that they were protected and couldn't lose their, their home. Similarly, the, for- the loan forbearance program that came out was negotiated, I believe, with the large institutions institutional lenders, um, and they agreed to allow homeowners uh, up to 12 months to not make payments on their home. So the, uh, and it was not considered late during that time. So the intent behind that was to allow homeowners to stay in their home and even landlords, if they were impacted by COVID, to not take the hit to where they still have to pay excuse me, pay their mortgage when they're not having any income or rent coming in on the property. So the forbearance was a a program designed to help keep people in place uh, by not having them or not requiring those mortgage payments be made during that time. So those, let's say the 12 payments that didn't get made, 
I'm sure they didn't just give away the money. So how do they work that out? Yeah, so there's multiple different options. Um, some of them were just added it onto the back of the loan. So it, your 30-year loan now becomes basically you pay it off after you're 31 because you take those 12 payments and just add them on to the end. Um, there were some that paid it back in a lump sum to where they came back and were able to go ahead and pay it off or pay that back. Um, you know, Some of them actually never even missed a payment. They had signed up for the forbearance program as kind of an insurance policy in case. Um, um, and a lot of p- those people actually never missed a payment. And then with the equity position that people are that we have right now, uh, we're uh, right now Americans are in the largest equity position that they've ever been in and that we've ever seen. Uh, if you were in a position where you had to sell your home, you were still in a position where you sold it and you had equity to where you bounced on on a bit of a nest egg to where you can go ahead and use that to to spring into your next place. So um, most of those people, like I said, 83% have been paid back or or figured out and already negotiated. So it's a small fraction of the the number that went into forbearance that are still without a plan. So over the years, we've been accustomed to hearing these terms that uh, I guess are media terms, but a wave of foreclosures. But if 83% have, have uh, already figured that out, um, there was another big number you used where people are not underwater now, that uh, they have equity. Correct. Um, there probably won't be much of a wave. No, um, they're talking about the number of potential foreclosures is uh, right around 25% of the total number of foreclosures that we saw during the 2007-2008 meltdown. And that's the total number of potential foreclosures. So that's they're not anticipating that all of those are going to go to foreclosure. So we're looking at a, a very small uh, impact, I think, on, on the foreclosures. I don't think short sales are really going to be an issue that we're looking at because of the strong equity position that our homeowners are in. Um, there may be, you know, there's always uh, foreclosures due to uh, job loss and, and you know possibly illness or, or death or something to that effect. But uh, I just don't see that big wave of foreclosures coming. Yeah, and foreclosures have always been around, whether the economy's good or bad. And, and it's because of unforeseen and un, uh, well, unforeseen circumstances such as death, disability, divorce. Uh, job loss. Job yeah. loss, yeah. So, you know, even during a good economy, a healthy real estate market, I think that the number that they expect is around two to three percent. Yeah. So, okay. Other than numbers, what what's changing in real estate? Other than these statistics? Yeah, um, I think technology is one of the biggest things that's that's coming in and impacted us. Uh, specifically, if you look at how we work during COVID, um, I. I sold a property to a, a gentleman who I did not actually meet in person until we were at the home for inspections. So we were doing remote showings. We had Zoom phone calls. Uh, so we had face-to-face communication. We were talking. We were uh, communicating back and forth. But he didn't even see the home until we were actually uh, already in escrow, and we were able to go ahead and do that remotely. So whether or not it's a, a virtual showing or, or anything else, um, that technology is, I think, the biggest factor that's coming in is, is impacting our industry right now. And of course, we're going to need to learn to use it wisely and not abuse it or, or rely on it. Yeah. I, I, no, I, nothing better than actually seeing the home yourself. Uh, I had one last week I went into it. It's the smell of the house. Uh, I'd go home and change my shirt. It, it was, you know, so much cigarette smoke had it permeated into my shirt. 
Yeah. Um, the, there's the cigarette smoke. I mean, you can't smell a home through video. Um, so the cigarette smoke, sometimes there's pet odor that's really strong. Uh, and to, to your point, I think the, the benefit of technology is that it, um, it supplements and it makes communication easier, but we can't use it. Uh, you know, nothing beats that face to face or that live interaction. So, um, you know, you can get a pretty good view of a home, but with a virtual tour, but actually standing in it, you're, you're going to get the feel, you're going to get that, the sense of, you know, the, the sounds, the, the smells, everything. So, yeah. I, and I remember somebody asking me one time, he says, well, I went online and got an estimate on the value of my home and it's different than what you're saying. I said, I know, but the difference is I walked through your home. Yeah, those online estimates are, you know, they, they, they serve a purpose. They're, they're, they're a rough number, uh, but they only take into consideration a certain amount of data points. And um, like you said, being able to be inside the home, you know, there's so many things about a home that are not data points. You know, the, the type of roof is typically not something that you get from the tax records. Uh, whether or not there's been upgrades or anything to the, the property recently are, are typically not listed there. So uh, it's, it's tough to look at a, a general algorithm to give you a precise value of a home. Yeah. So condition is not something that is one of those data points. Exactly. Um, amen, uh, new amenities. It, and, that, and that's a good percentage of the value. And by the way, when I told this guy that, my estimate of value was higher than what he was getting online. Yeah, and it's it's always easy. It's always better when you think when you tell them you can get them more than what they're thinking they can get. Uh, sometimes it's a little bit of a struggle when it's the other way around. Uh, but again, it comes back to those data points and how accurate those algorithms are. Sometimes you know some of them are more accurate in certain situations uh, than others. Some of them are better than others, but I think you always need to talk to a qualified local real estate agent in order to get the actual value of your home. All right. Thank you very much, Steve, for coming in today and helping us out with Welcome Home Radio and giving some really good local information to our listeners. Appreciate you being here, Steve. And But most of all, we appreciate our listeners. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Doc. All right. We'll be back again next Saturday, 9 to 10 on 940 KYNO.